first meeting of this term's comprehensive facility assessment uh, to order. Uh, quick uh, roll call, just we got virtual. Uh, Al Charles. Here. Aaron Gallagher. Here. And Dave Callahan. Lieutenant uh, Jagir, Dr. Rogers, Dr. Dutch, Mike D'Angelo from Facilities, thanks so, again so much for joining. Um, and uh, this uh, meeting is being recorded by Franklin Matters as well. All right. There's some light on the subject. Okay. <laughs> light, we got some coffee. <laughs> and just explored opportunities to contract with, um, you know, regarding the facilities assessment. One thing that we wanted to do was stick to seeing that process through. At the end of the day, um, we had one company bid through that. And as you know, as with any good, um, if you ever had a remodeling project or anything, when you only have one bid to compare it, it's not um, always the best solution. So we were cognizant of that. And uh, that was one piece. The other piece is, when it comes to cost, um, after you go through that process, you uh, look at the pricing, and uh, based on the information we had, it just was not feasible um, for us or affordable. With that said, the entire time, and even in the RFP, we did talk about using this facility's assessment as a foundational report. One thing I said last year during redistricting is, is the pieces that we needed to make this report whole, um, were, there were two pieces in my mind. One was using this and then looking at how we're utilizing space to include specialized programming as part of that, that part. And then the second piece was around the nuts and bolts mechanical, um, which is why we have our facilities director, Mike, on this team, is around what is, what is the um, age, lifetime, maintenance, repair of the mechanical elements of each of the buildings. So I'll let Mike speak to that in, in a few minutes. But ultimately, we um, had to take all of those pieces into consideration as we move forward. We made a decision to work with Fran Locker at Visioning Associates, and, and they do master planning and visioning. And um, they are working to look at the kind of the granular. Uh, we're starting some walkthroughs next week to look at the building and look at the space utilization and look at how we're educating kids in all 10 of our buildings. And uh, that's one leg of the piece. McKibben, Jerry McKibben completed his report. Uh, I'll have a version. He will be presenting to the school committee in the future. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking sometime in February to have him unpack his report. We are meeting with Jerry to do a demographic, just break down the report uh, at some point in the near future. We're trying to coordinate a time with Jerry so we have that information, but he will get in front of school committee. Um, the question on the table is, so how do we get all the pieces we need to arrive at the same timeline by the end of the year and do this work? We are uh, going to be working with Fran Locker to do the master planning. I said that already in the vision. Fran's associates, she has someone on her staff who works directly uh, with KBA. And there's an understanding, we have a meeting tomorrow that we're planning to 
unpack the foundational report and determine the needs we have within this assessment. Uh, filling those holes will have a complete picture of the buildings that we need to know, obviously, space usage and whatnot. That piece, paired with the visioning, where we engage our stakeholders, we look at educational models, and we determine what's the, what's the future and vision for Franklin over the next decade, paired with facilities, paired with uh, our forecast of how many kids we expect to have to educate over the next decade, uh, puts together that master plan, which has recommendations for the short term and the long term. And there's a lot to be decided in between there, but we're uh, committed to continuing this process. It seems most feasible, and it seems most logical to continue to move through this. And I just wanted to uh, respect the work that was done, and a lot of work on all of our ends to try to secure and go through that process. But uh, we've landed at that place, and that's the update as of right now. I'll just pause there and open it to questions, and then I'll kick it to Bob and Mike to fill in um, pieces around uh, questions you may have as well. Um, so, just a clarification. So, when we last met, we had talked about like an RFP, RFQ. Yep. So, I thought we were leading to RFQ, so we went to an RFP instead. Is that correct? I think it was an RFQ, wasn't it? Was it? Okay. No, it, it, was, it was an RFP um, with a bit of a modification in that the price proposal was separate. So, the price proposal was not open until we determined everybody was qualified and we went through the evaluation process. So it'll, it allowed us to kind of do what the RFQ would have done, is allow us to confirm the qualifications of the company without consideration of price. Then we opened the price proposal. We're still obligated to take the lowest price, which is not the case with an RFQ. You would negotiate. So it really was a combined process to meet threshold, financial thresholds and processes um, that were allowed that would still address our goals, making sure they were most qualified. Okay. And when if we had done the RFQ, we would have had to move forward unless they were not technically viable, correct? Like it wasn't that it wasn't a, We would tell them that they weren't qualified if they weren't qualified. Yeah. The, the, make the decision to not move forward with this particular firm that, that did put forward a proposal, we just need to identify that we're not moving forward without any basis. Okay, gotcha. All right, thank you. And then um, you'd mentioned Fran Walker and Associates, so mm -hmm. that's, that's new. Um, do we have a cost? They were, the vi they were the visioning, um, and they'll get me a proposal, a price proposal tomorrow. regarding facilities and your, your capital plan? Or? Yeah, so to first touch on, like, typically I've done this literally dozens of times and, um, and it's very unusual to have what just happened happen. Because there was actually quite a bit of scuttlebutt on the street. Um, yeah, there were a lot of plant holders. When this was put out, 
Um, and there was, yeah, a lot of scuttlebutt on the street. Obviously, almost everybody in Massachusetts knows me and what I do. Um, all the engineering firms, all the architectural firms. So the minute this hit the street, my phone started ringing. Um, and I actually thought a lot more people would be submitting on it. It's really unusual. And most things we've done in town have had even requirements that at least three people submit proposals. Mm -hmm. But we just drop it and go back out again, and they have to. And have another walkthrough with them and say, you know, and actually, you know, we comply with all the requirements. If we said we want a 2023 uh, DSB form, you have to do that. You have to do all these things. Actually, the fire department, when we did headquarters, that went out three times before we actually got enough architects involved to actually have a batch of interviews. And whatever you're doing in it, interview for a project like this, that's where you get most of your feeling as to, I mean, you can read this. Mm -hmm. um, it'll tell you some basic things, but the things that come out during interviews are sometimes surprising, but you get to the feel that, yeah, this is somebody I, this firm is someone I trust. Mm -hmm. All their engineers are someone that we know who they are. They haven't messed up anything in Frankfurt before, <laughs> or in any of my other schools. I'm the former president of our organization, so um, that's really the thing. So I think it was unfortunate, but I think Lucas and you guys have a good plan for moving forward some of the other stuff. So I think that'll get you more not cost you as much. What I've given you is, so just to run through the schools, you all know I built Keller Sullivan Horace Mann in the high school, plus pretty much every other building that the town owns. Um, so as informational, we have our three complexes that are between 150 and 200,000 square feet. And those are really, so Remington was built in 96. We opened Keller Sullivan in 02 and Horace Mann in 04. And that, those are really, except for the high school, those are your most modern buildings. But they're actually getting quite old now. I mean, 96 was actually a really long time ago. <laughs> Doesn't seem it for me personally, but no. it was actually a long time ago. I had dark hair. <laughs> and I had more hair. <laughs> but what you're looking at, and I created this several years ago, but to just look at the bottom line of what's in those three buildings and what needs to be replaced, you're getting to a point that um, there was a bond approved back during COVID when we had a meeting out on the field at Franklin High School, the budget meeting for the town council. And at that time, things were cost a lot less. Ever since we've gone through COVID, everything costs a fortune. Um, it isn't really wages. It's all has to do with equipment, purchasing things. 
it's gotten better to get things. So when you look at all three complexes, there are just a few major things. So the roofing colors at um, Remington Jefferson really badly needs to be replaced. It was never a good roof from day one. We did do a section of it back five years ago with a different product. The fire alarm system is original from 1996, even though I've spent fortunes on it, replacing detectors and duct detectors. And it's outdated dramatically. The entire heating and cooling system, except for the air handlers, um, Remington Jefferson has interior air handlers that are in an attic or back rooms, so they're in almost perfect condition. We service everything a lot. I mean, we're always, we have an outside company that does all our HVAC and control service, so um, they do filter changes, they clean coils, they do belt changes, they do everything constantly on everything we have. One of their employees that actually works 40 hours a week in Franklin and just takes care of all the town and all the school buildings. So that story will be really the same in every single, in your three complexes. You're looking at fire alarm systems, you're looking at roofing, although I'm not saying you've got to do the roofs at all the, like Keller Sullivan, it still has a good. Um, Sardaville PVC roof on it that typically lasts into the 30 years. Um, Horace Mann was built a little cheaper. It does have a much lesser, just an old EPDM roof. Those first came out in like the 80s. So that will need to be replaced. But the pavement at uh, Remington Jefferson is in the worst condition. So I did re-go through most of these numbers with different engineering firms that regularly um, work for us or outside uh, building envelope consultants that work on roofs, windows, doors, things of that type to get some new estimates and everything um, went up pretty dramatically. All the pavement is on here for about, at um, just Remington Jefferson for about three-quarters of a million dollars. But what I've laid out for you is prices for all these things, and it includes other things, um, things at the Parmenter School you'll see in there. Um, Can I zoom out for a second, Mike? Yep. <clears throat> so one of the thoughts we have here is Mike's been spending time assessing. He lives, this is his job, but he's been assessing these facilities for a period of time consulting with engineers on the, on all of these areas and he's built out a 10-year projection on this. This coupled with the facilities assessment, coupled with the utilization, <clears throat> I think puts us in a good space to have the information we need and as we move forward we'll be able to uh, put together what becomes a master plan. So if I'm zooming out, um, the document I gave you and Aaron, it should have been shared with you. Um, it basically, just reiterate, this is just historical context of how did we get to where we got. But on the back page, enrollment forecast projections, 
That purpose is obviously to give us the numbers we need for the next 10 years. Visioning, we need to look at, do the facilities and do the, do the are we organized and educating kids in a way that align with how students are best educated and our values, right? And are we meeting the portrait of a grad? That's like the visioning piece. The third piece is, are, are, have we looked at the age of the buildings? And I think your point, Mike, that you've mentioned to me and what I'm seeing is, we have some of the pieces we need to make that mechanical assessment. A 50-year-old roof is a 50-year-old roof, whether you stood on it and looked at it and inspected it or not. And you understand the material. I don't even know what the materials are called, but you, you do. Um, so I think we have to look at this all. Those three things inform the plan, and we stay on track. I have confidence in my conversations and meetings with Dr. Locker on uh, her ability to facilitate this from the school perspective and to lead us. And if you look, we've broken down the three-legged stool. Where are we at with population forecast study? So we talked about everything we did. We contracted with McKibben. They provided a report. We've conducted an analysis of what did the last, how close were they on the last prediction? That was 2010 data with the pre-pandemic numbers, but how close? And the next steps are we're meeting to unpack the report. Uh, McKibben will get in front of you for school committee. And then that information will be shared with Locker and Associates as part of the plan. The second leg, visioning. Right? We reviewed uh, educational visioning documents. We then worked to interview Fran Locker. Fran Locker has met with our district leadership team, which included all of our principals, to discuss the process, because we thought that that was an important piece. If we're going to do educational visioning, we wanted every educational leader in our team to have met the group that would be facilitating that or interview them and be a part of that process. And that took place before the break. And then you'll notice that we are working to kind of secure that basically through that process. And then the next steps are, Fran, they're doing a walkthrough of schools to see how we're educating kids in all their spaces. They'll want to meet with facilities. One of the members on the team um, is a direct uh, connection to the uh, folks who develop the first report so that we have all the information and then consult with Mike on facilities. And the third leg is the assessment. We have a report which we call foundational, which it states it's foundational in the in the report itself, and we're filling in the pieces we need to have an updated picture, which include what Mike has just shared with you around the 10-year plan and overview, in addition to other components that we may need to fill in. And that would also involve uh, stakeholder engagement to a degree, as you look at utilization. Um, and then uh, we put master plan in there because that's all based and predicated on future conversations we need to have with uh, Locker Associates around master planning and kind of that. But the timeline's been established and agreed upon to arrive at a place by the end of the school year or in the spring to kind of have a really clear picture based on, I'll bring it back, the want and uh, expectation of the school committee in the spring when we voted not to redistrict it was that we needed a larger picture to look at all buildings and the space and how they utilize and have a larger picture. That's been the goal since day one and that continues to be the goal uh, for us by the end of the school year. Um, any questions on that? Um, no, I think I'm good for right now. Uh, I think it's more the details, mm -hmm. the, the cost and expenses that we would, we're anticipating down the road. Right. Uh, Aaron? 
No, I think that makes sense. I'm pushing along here. Okay. And so, um, uh, Mike, again, thanks so much for, for this, too. This is great. Because theoretically, like what I'm kind of envisioning, maybe just in my mind, but whereas in this one lays everything out, like, you know, like on a fiscal year, we could really kind of just organize it ourselves to say, all right, you know, Jefferson, here's where they're at, and here's how much, you know, expectation of the, the maintenance costs and stuff like that for, you know, year one, two, three, four, all the way down to 10. We can kind of almost like change it up that way, right? Where we break it down to say these particular schools require this much money over five, 10 years. So I'll, Mike, I'll let you speak to the facilities piece, but I do know that Locker, for master planning purposes, is looking to connect with Mike and KBA around the facilities and the pieces, and you have the information on the mechanicals, but to include that as part of a report and take the spreadsheet and add context where needed so that it kind of lays out. And I think that's what we've seen in samples, and I think that's where our goal is to try to, try to meet. Does that answer some of that question? It does. Yeah, thank you. That's great. I don't want to overcommit to answering the question, but you know, we have we have this data, mm -hmm. and we'll just want to fill in the pieces that we need, I guess. So we were originally, the last time I ran these numbers prior to the last six months, it was going to be about $5 million to do Remington Jefferson. Now you're up to seven, maybe eight, because things have just jumped that much, yeah. and um, but you should be looking, and I can um, resort this in a different way that will actually give you something that, because but everything is you got to think about the things that wear out on even your house where you live. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to you got to be doing the roof, you got to be doing the heating yep. system, yep. making it more efficient, doing the cooling system. Um, doing roof, rooftops that we already did all the rooftops at Keller Sullivan over like the past three or four years. Those are all brand new. But at Horace Mann, those all need to get changed out as well. It actually, too, when you talk about like, like the cooling, like heating system, something that just reminded me when um, you were speaking at the FinCom a couple of weeks back. Yep. Um, I know they were they were interested, I was too, just when you spoke about like the cost to, to say, like to heat each building or to really they kind of run each building. And is that something that we'd also be able to kind of pull in to say, you know, all right, yeah, in these, you know, in these cold weather months, you know, here's how much it costs to heat Kennedy, here's what Oak kind of does, just so we can kind of get some, some additional data points on each of the schools. Is that something that's feasible? Easily. It's all, so I budget everything by building um, to the point of um, like a double complex, Remington and Jefferson, there's an amount of money in there that covers um, the gas heating, the electricity. Um, we did do a lot of work. I mean, we're 100% LED and all that buildings, lighting. Um, the ventilation load is high. I think I mentioned at that meeting how little it actually costs to heat Franklin High School with gas, which I just wish we would have, like, the construction world and the design world would have changed earlier in the process because there's actually no insulation in the walls at either telescope. Well, there's a little bit of um, you know fiberglass bad insulation in the walls of Keller Sullivan and Horace Mann, 
and we were limited by some of those things. We couldn't take down all the brick and horse man to do what we did at the high school. The high school is actually has four inches of a solid board ISO insulation on it applied to the whole exterior of the building once the studs were up. And then a vapor barrier, which is like a rubber material that's sealed. It's an air air and vapor barrier. It's sealed perfectly. And that's probably the biggest difference when you look at these schools. I mean, they all had a lot of insulation on the roof, but not what you would do today in 20. Um, we weren't looking at it. <coughs> Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just, you know, if you got windows, you got yeah. three and a half inches of fiberglass insulation in your roof. That's not much. Mm -hmm. I mean, cool. No, it's not even cold anymore. <laughs> like, but you you budget, you develop your budget based on historical trends. Of exactly. Data. So I mean, they're the realistic numbers that we can then use to look at what's the carrying cost of this facility. Mm -hmm for the next 10 years, 20 years, specifically as it relates to energy usage. Definitely. Awesome. That would be fantastic information. So if it's energy use and mechanical upgrades or mm -hmm. replacement or repair, I think you have all that information. That's part of the bigger idea. I think that's, that's really what you were asking. Yeah. And we're in a weird time in history right now because everybody's telling us, you know, go electric. But nobody's really and made the equipment that can do that. Because mm -hmm. we're all based on pushing water around the building, hot water. And, um, and that really is very hard to do in large commercial buildings. You could do it in a new small, um, I'm sure when we do our police station, it'll be all electric. Uh, which is easy to do in a new building, but almost impossible to do in a school that at this time, there's unit ventilators in every classroom that do both the ventilation and the heating and monitor CO2 levels in the classroom. So once you get a batch of kids, dampers open up, pump lots of air in, control themselves as they go through the day. Just kids go to lunch, CO2 plummets, um, and grid, grid pays for huge amounts. They'll pay for like a third of any project like that that we actually do. And they have been for years, millions and millions and millions of dollars that they just shovel our way. Whenever we do anything, I mean, right now we're, we've got a little project going to Franklin High School where we just replaced, went LED on the tennis court lights and we're doing the main stadium in LED that goes from a 15 watt metal halide bulb down to an 800 watt LED bulb. So it's almost a 50% savings with lots of other, like if you've been in the game at Franklin High School and the lights go out, you sit there in the dark and wait 10 minutes for the lights, the metal halide lights to cool down and then they start coming back up. Um, Definitely not ideal, but that's technology that was developed back in the 70s. So it's not really, um, so we're moving to a different place. Even just the boilers, the heating boiler systems that 
all three complexes, if they're pushing 80% efficiency, that would be a lot. They're probably down somewhere in the 70s. This was equipment that was manufactured years ago. Um, so even just upgrading your boilers to a high efficiency gas boilers, which are what's at the high school, modular boilers, they just run as they're needed, more pop on as they need it. Is it cold? Yeah. So they just say, okay. And, they, you all, and we always monitor outside air, we monitor everything that fits into that equation. Um, all those control systems were paid for largely by National Grid. So even just, we put a new boilers in here last fall, and um, two little modular boilers. Because once you go into that type of a boiler, I have a little one in my home, um, but you literally go to like 97% efficiency. All right, awesome. So yeah, that'll really kind of between with the, the capital and all the energy costs as well, just paint a, a, a solid picture for the, so the, the carry costs of each of the buildings over the years. That's fantastic. Awesome. So um, you, you have this document mm -hmm. which kind of lays out where we're at. We thought it was just to, up, to give an update of where we're at and the direction we're moving. Our goal internally is to hold meetings with facilities Fran Locker and KBA to unpack some of the facilities pieces. We will then be meeting Dr. Rogers, her team, Dr. Dutch and I will be meeting to talk through educational visioning and kind of organize ourselves to get, uh, uh, we have a proposed plan from Fran Locker around um, engagement with community, with students, with staff, families around educational service delivery and whatnot. So that's all, uh, you can expect another update with that kind of flushed out. And then uh, the, the population forecast is done and will be the next piece with that is we meet internally, talk to Jerry McKibben, get some information. But then uh, we've asked Jerry to present to school committee. We just have to determine which meeting. But I'd like to get that done sooner than later so that we get that off the cloud and clear the deck on a shared understanding of how many kids we have now and how many they forecast by 2034 and everything in between. Because that's what will be what we use to update and inform our, our enrollment uh, forecast. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. And all right. uh, uh, any other things to add? From, uh, any? I don't think so. I mean, I think this document lays out you know, what's been done and what the next steps are pretty well. Yeah. So one thing I think I'd love to see is just the kind of the cost of waiting explicitly called out. I know that there are things that we we've known that from before, and that cost can we can we have just a comparison of the things that were known then, what they cost at that point versus where they are now, so that we can see okay we we waited x amount of years and as a result our total um, debt to do this now went up two hundred percent you know like some things that that people can really understand what it's going to cost if you choose to delay and you don't take action because there's a cost for everything, action yeah, and inaction. I think, I think as as you get a master plan in place, one of the things that KBA will likely do is tell you what the costs are if you don't follow through on the master plan. Um, and 
choose, let's say you choose to do it 10 years later. Mm -hmm. I mean, inevitably, you're going to need a new building somewhere along the line, at, you know, whether it's elementary or, or middle school. Um, and the longer you wait, the greater the cost. And, and I, I can give you a personal experience example mm -hmm. with Situate. Situate got into uh, the MSBA with their statement of interest in 2019. 20, uh, 2019. And the estimated cost for the elementary school, 400 student elementary school that they were looking to build, was 85 million. Right now they are in schematic design, getting ready to go for approval at town meeting, and it's 121 million. So that's in five years. Yep. It's it's gone up yep. forty million dollars. Exactly, and I think if we can we can equate that to what we've known before, and we can actually say specifically, this is what we've had. This is what we're seeing it as of today. I think that would be very powerful in telling the story and then really thinking, okay, well, what what are our options and what we what should we do moving forward? Yeah, because this I even have all those. And this is several years ago yeah. that I started doing this. But I was finding better to... Have those costs been updated? They have now, yeah. So if I go back four years, mm -hmm. or in 20 or 19, you'll see something that costs way less. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. right now I think you're probably, like construction costs are 7%, like a year rising. Mm -hmm. And so the quicker we do something, yep. mm -hmm. I totally would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, just so that way, yeah, we can kind of going and telling that story, just to be able to go and say, yeah, you know, like, we do it today, here's where we're at. If this is a decision that's not, you know, it's kicks the can down the road for five years, mm -hmm. here's, we might be at the exact same decision, still making the same one, but now we're just costing ourselves this much more money. Yeah, so I think that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that. usually, you, you don't have anything to compare to, but since we do, I think it, it's more powerful and it's more real, where people may not say, oh, it's just a projection, you don't know what's going to happen, but we can say, well, we had these 20 line items that cost this much. For those same 20 line items, it's it's X amount of dollars now. So It's an interesting point, because it, so Keller Sullivan cost $35 million to build. And we opened it now, too. Horace Mann, we started about the time we finished and opened it in 04, but that was still in the $35 million category. Both of those schools are approximately 200,000 square feet. So eight years later, we built the high school. We're taking bids on those in 12, and we're looking at $104 million to build a building that's only 100,000 square feet bigger. I mean, technology advanced a lot. It's way more efficient, but I was at a tour in a new high school they're building in Worcester, and it's a 400,000 square foot building for almost $300 million that we toured just in October. It's being built right now. So the, the construction costs are going from, you know, just hundreds of dollars a square foot up close to and including a thousand dollars a square foot to build a new building. It's just insane. That's why the strategy too needs to consider the master plan is going to consider 
is it, it's, it's like I'm picturing like a kid with a car. Right? Mm -hmm. yep. Am I buying them a new car or am I fixing the car mm -hmm. they have? And exactly. is it cheaper to spend this much money to get this car back on the road or is it is it better? Sometimes they break down so much that it's just, you know what, it's not worth, it's it. not worth continued repair at the mechanic. Mm -hmm. So these are the decisions with information that we will have that say this makes the most sense now, in two years, in five years, in ten years. And I think we can pull in all the pieces we need to have the information we need for our community to, to make the decisions. And, you know, I told you my, my primary goal in all this is to make sure that we're educating students to the level and quality that this town expects and what we expect morally in the space we need to do it, in the model that makes the most sense to serve the kids. And I think those are all decisions that have to be vetted and played out and rationalized, and I think we can do that. I'm confident that we can we can arrive at some, some options and recommendations by the end of this process that put us in a position to be setting ourselves up not only for tomorrow, but over the next decade. That's the goal and all. That's why you do master planning. It's why the town's doing it. You're trying to set yourself up for what's sustainable um, and delivers the service, whatever the, whatever the institution is, to do that. So... Erin, any other kind of questions, comments at this moment? Yeah, um, so the, the sample that we, you know, be given to look at of Situivit uh, kind of laid out once they had population data, um, uh, kind of all the costs for the facilities, like options for renovations mm -hmm. overall versus building new structures. Like how are we going to, you know, take in the information um, on population and overall costs and kind of move forward with that into those next like you know kind of pricing out imagining out those options I, I think that's where incorporating um, KBA personnel working with uh, locker and associates will will phase in so they'll come okay. up they'll identify options um, KBA would then identify feasibility and practicality of doing those by creating cost estimates for us in the uh, of those different options. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And so you know, KBA was the designer at Keller Sullivan, and they were originally our pick for Franklin High School, but Michael McKeon, the principal at KBA, we had already gotten to a point of we were looking at renovating the building and adding to it. And in the end, Michael said to the building committee, you know, you're just better off going in the model school program. You'll get an extra 5% reimbursement, so that's another like $5 million. And you'll get a building for cheaper than going into this 1970 building and trying to turn it into something it isn't. <laughs> There's nothing like building a building from the ground yeah, up. Exactly. You can do everything you want, and it doesn't end up being a mishmash. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's well thought out and planned. Yep. So we have we have our work cut out. The mission hasn't changed in goal, but I think we're trying to take information we have, fill in the information we need. You asked some great questions today that we're working towards this in this process of delivering on, and I think we'll end up at the end of this process with uh, my, my hope is that we're there to have the information
information. We need to make some decisions. And you know, those are those are when we're thinking short and long term. You know, just like with any type of planning that you're doing, as you're looking ahead for your district or your community, we're going to have to look at the information we have and make logical decisions with the data we have in front of us, and, and, and be as informed as possible through that process as possible. I think you know one of the takeaways you know from tonight should be you know recognition that we're doing this in the most certainly a more cost-effective way than totally discounting the work that's already been done. We're incorporating that in the process and just building off of it, which is obviously a, a more cost-effective way to do that. And still getting the quality product uh, identifying what we want. <clears throat> that's fantastic. And Thank you all so much for all the work that was uh, that was done, especially over the, the winter break holiday season. So I really appreciate this. This is fantastic, and everything that had kind of gone into this process. And I know we kind of you know, changes had to be made along the way, but I really uh, am excited about where it's going. Just one more thing, please, this year. Uh, we are setting up those walkthroughs with the consultant from. Locker um, is also affiliated with the KBA. Um, we have walkthrough dates. We can't have the entire committee go, but we would invite you if you chose. I know Al's been to every building. Every building. Dave, you attended a few. Aaron, um, it might be if you had availability. Mike is invited yeah. as well. Uh, we can't have the three of you or even two of you go, but um, we have dates on when those walkthroughs would occur and what time. So what I might do is um, we can share those dates with you, and maybe um, you could. Maybe if one of you had a time frame, just put your name next to where it is. It's not deliberating. You're not getting into any kind of open meeting. But just sign up on my document, okay. um, and then I will, I will monitor it. But you'll have you'll have the dates, and as long you know, as long as it's only one of you, you can come around for a walk. Does that work? <laughs> yeah. No, I think that'll yeah. be that'll be perfect. Awesome. And it'll give you a sense of how space is used and how we educate kids. And we'll still do the committee tour. I just um, bandwidth-wise, we're trying to sort out a lot of things right now. And, this is a priority to get kind of off the ground. And uh, Mike, you'll have those dates as well, obviously, to, to go through if you choose. Okay. And uh, yeah, and we're going to decide which ones we go to. And, yeah. Okay. They, they start next week. So I think there's one Friday. They got one. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's uh, Tuesday. Tina, can you send those dates to uh, this, this team? Closing Mike. Thank you very much. And just in, in regards to the consultant, would you be able to flip any kind of contact information, like their website as well, just so we can kind of poke around oh, and get absolutely. a better idea? That would be awesome. Yep. All right. Uh, right now, any other items, questions, comments? Just, I guess, regarding the timeline, how, how are we feeling with all the changes in terms of, like, a comfort level? Is there, what, I guess, looking for a temperature check. Um, we, we talked today with the consultant and um, still feel pretty good about the timeline. I think, I think not using a separate firm as an architect 
an engineering firm um, kind of simplifies the process. Um, a, you don't have two entities to try and coordinate, uh, and B, Kessel Blues is already familiar with the facilities. Um, they don't have to do as, you know, the, the folks that are going to be engaged with the consultant from Kessel Blues are the same people that worked on that plan. So there's a, there's a level of familiarity. So I think that's going to streamline the process um, and allow us to still meet our goal of having this done by the end of this school year. That, that's the timeline <coughs> the consultants projected out. Correct. Two. Okay, thank you. All right, awesome. Then, uh, with no other questions, and we got our next meeting is on February 7th. Um, and I look forward to, uh, if, uh, if we can all have the opportunity to kind of do some of those walkthroughs at some point, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, otherwise, I'll look for, entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. Is there a second? Second. Then uh, all those in favor, roll call, Al Charles. Yes. Aaron Gallagher? Yes. And Dave Callahan is a yes. All right. Thank you all very much. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark in Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy and by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.